And you get to that place of like, oh, it's just me against me. And if I can win the battle against myself, I could do whatever the hell I want on this planet. So that, that's how I got to that place. What does going inward mean? It means meditating, sitting with my thoughts for anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour every single day. No excuses, no like, oh, I don't feel like it today. None of that. Like you just do it. You go there to that place because from that place, it's the most important thing that I can do in any given time is like check in with myself. How am I doing? Am I feeling appreciative for myself? Am I not liking a certain part of myself? Oh, now I noticed that. So I would say the self-awareness and emotional intelligence and the ability to connect with myself and other people all stemmed from meditating and going inward. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshavsky, and welcome to episode 117 of That Remote Life podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Danny Miranda, the host of the Danny Miranda podcast. Danny launched his podcast in 2020 in order to pursue his curiosity about people. And within just six months, it had hit over 50,000 downloads. And his guests include creators, thinkers, and entrepreneurs like Gary Vaynerchuk, Kevin Kelly, Polina Marinova, Jack Butcher, and many others. During this interview, Danny and I covered many topics from why it seems like we are both living the same life, how meditation helped Danny discover his potential, and Danny also shared his top tips on how to get in contact with high-profile people and why starting a podcast is one of the best things you can do, even if no one listens and subscribes. Before we jump into the interview, however, make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, which you can find a link to in the show notes for this episode. I publish every podcast interview there in video form, and I also release original content every Thursday about the digital nomad lifestyle, remote work, and online business that you can only find there on YouTube. To subscribe, just click on the link in the show notes or search for my full name, Mitko Karshavsky. Finally, I would love to hear what you think about this podcast. I've made it very easy to leave a review. All you have to do is just head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL and write your review. That's it. It's that easy. Just head it over to that URL or you can actually find a link to that URL in the show notes as well. So just click on that and you'll be, and you'll be able to leave a review. If you're enjoying this podcast, leaving a review is one of the best ways to support us. Reviews are a key statistic that podcasting apps look at in order to determine how to rank a podcast. So your review will directly help us climb the rank boards and attract new listeners. Guys, I can't tell you how helpful it is and how helpful it has been for you to go over there and leave the review. Recently, we've gotten a bunch of new reviews and I have uh, definitely seen an improvement in our rankings and the number of people that are listening to this podcast. So you are one 
review at a time, seriously helping us attract new listeners and grow this podcast. So thank you so much in advance for leaving a review if you choose to do so. And also, thank you for joining me over on YouTube. I am really focusing over there uh, more and more this year. The goal to give you guys a little bit of uh, a behind-the-scenes the goal is to get to three videos every week there. Uh, I'm going to start doing a YouTube live most likely every Monday. Uh, and that my goal is to do a new video every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over there with different themes for each one of those days. So uh, definitely head on over there and subscribe to YouTube as well. We're having a lot of fun on that channel. And I'm really enjoying creating content for you guys over there in a different format than just the interviews that you hear on this podcast. So Without further ado, guys, I'm going to stop talking and we are going to dive into this awesome interview with Danny Miranda. All right, Danny, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you doing? I am doing absolutely wonderful. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Well, I'm super excited to talk with you. Uh, I actually, before we were, before we hit record, I was saying that I feel like we're living very similar lives. Like I was doing research for this episode and I was like, am I reading like my bio or am I reading someone else's? So, uh, you know, I noticed that you got started with uh, e-com and that kind of stuff. And that's what I did. I got started with drop shipping and I then, you know, went into e-com, Amazon FBA. And then after that, ended up, you know, realizing that what I love to do most is to talk with cool people. So I started a podcast. And so it seems like you kind of have lived a very similar life. But I wanted to start off by asking you because I have a lot of difficulty with this. When people ask me, Mitko, what do you do? And I'm like, I I don't know how to explain that to you. Like, how do you, you know, with you, you having a similar background to me, when people ask you, Danny, what do you do? Like, how do you define that? Like, how do you explain to people what you do? I think the easiest thing for me to say is just a podcaster or writer, but I just like to say I'm a lover of life. Like that's the, the real essence of what I am and who I am. And it's like, everything I do is simply an expression of loving life. That's how I think about it. And even though it's not conventional by any means, it gets the point across that what I'm here to do is just spread love and spread joy in any, any way I possibly can. And whether that's through the written form, through writing, or podcasting through vocal or video, it's all the same. It's really just, can I pursue my highest version? Can I help you do the same? And that that's what I do. How do people react when you respond with like, oh, I'm a podcaster or something like that? Like, how do people react to that? Most people are pretty interested by it. I think that in 2021, most people know what a podcast is, at least people our age. And I think there's a level of of interest that like, oh, wow, it takes a certain type of person to be a podcaster. It takes a certain type of person to put themselves out there in that capacity. So I think people will respond with interest. What about you? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, being completely vulnerable. I feel like there's or like being completely transparent. The way people react depends on how, quote unquote, successful you are with it. Right. Like if you say like, oh, I'm a podcaster and you do like millions of downloads a month, people are like, oh, wow, like that's so impressive. But then if you say like you're a podcaster and it's just something that you run out of your garage, I don't know if people like really respond the same way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but see, the thing is, in my head, I already have millions of downloads. I already am the biggest podcaster in the world. And maybe that's 
narcissistic, but I genuinely feel that I'm in that place already. So anyone who's getting in the way of that is, is just like, if, if you don't have a good reaction to it, like that speaks more about you than it does about me. And so I have huge aspirations because I love the craft of it because I enjoy doing it. Um, and I want to be all I can be in that medium. So I guess my point is that if people respond great to it, great. If people respond poorly to it, also great. Like it, it's no sweat mm-hmm. off your back. So how did you get to, I, cause I really admire people who are in that sort of place where they don't necessarily, like you said, like you are already there mentally and, and like, you're not worried about people necessarily meeting you there. Uh, and it's definitely something that I've struggled with in the past. And I think I've gotten a lot better with over the last like five, six years, but I think a lot of people still struggle with it, right? Like we live in a culture in which like social media is all about like, how many likes did you get? How many followers do you have? And blah, 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 blah. So how did you, like, how were you able to get to that place? Or how do you continue to work on yourself to stay in that place where, you know, you're, you're at that healthy mindset place? I went inward. And if you go inward for long enough and consistently enough, what you find is that the outside, outside noise doesn't matter. And you need to pursue what calls to you in some capacity. And you go to that place and you're going inward and you're just consistently removing the expectations of others and you're removing all the outside noise. And you get to that place of like, oh, it's just me against me. And if I can win the battle against myself, I could do whatever the hell I want on this planet. So that, that's how I got to that place. What does going inward mean? It means meditating, sitting with my thoughts for anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour every single day. No excuses, no like, oh, I don't feel like it today. None of that. Like you just do it. You go there to that place because from that place, it's the most important thing that I can do in any given time is like check in with myself. How am I doing? Am I feeling appreciative for myself? Am I not liking a certain part of myself? Oh, now I noticed that. So I would say the self-awareness and emotional intelligence and the ability to connect with myself and other people all stemmed from meditating and going inward. Yeah, I used to be kind of like on the, like I'm a very like research and data driven person. So like, listen, if I don't believe something, but if the data shows that it's there, all right, like I can't disprove it. And I wasn't like a super meditating guy, but I went through like a really hard period in 2017 where everything that I had like worked towards kind of fell apart and I was just depressed. I was, it was also in the middle of winter, you know what I mean? So just like, just top, you know, it's dark out, cold, all this kind of stuff. And my wife bought me this book, which I just realized is next to me. It's called 10% Happier. I don't know if you ever heard of it before. And she was like, Hey, just read this. Like, I don't know, just give it a try. And this book seriously helped me out so much because it was the first kind of thing that was like, it was like meditating for people who think the way that I think. And he was like, Hey, this isn't going to change your life. It's not going to like, you're not going to see different colors or something like that, but it's going to make you just a little bit happier. It's going to make you a little bit more comfortable in your own skin. And I was like, Oh, I like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, personally, it did change my life and I have no problem saying that, or it's not a crazy claim. Cause I don't think that if you meditate, it could change your life. It could make you 10% happier, whatever it is for you. But personally, I was like, wow, this completely changed my life. I used to be this way. Now I'm this way. And that's a huge difference. 
And so, yeah, 10% Better, 10% Happier is a great book. I recommend it. And But I, I think that he undersells it, at least what happened to me personally. Mm, I love that. Well, so, you know, moving a little bit towards like your business background, uh, I heard, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, that you started reading like Gary V or taking in his content when you were 13. Is that correct? Yep, that's that's accurate. How old are you now? 25, going to turn okay. 26 next month. So how, like, how did that happen? Like, how did you find Gary V and his content at 13? Because we were in very different places when I was 13 and you were 13 in that case. Yeah. I saw what was happening with the internet when I was 13. And I said, it, to give people some context, it was 2010. And I saw that I could play fantasy football and fantasy baseball. And I could Google things and just find new information. And I was like, this is huge. Like, people don't understand what's going on. Why isn't everyone putting out content on the internet? Like, I was a big writer at the time. So it was like, writing, like, why isn't everyone writing? Like, this is obvious blogging. And I was going through that. And on the way of figuring out how to attract more people to my blog, of course, I find Gary Vaynerchuk. He wasn't talking about how to get more people to your blog, but he was talking about wine. And he was had this energy and this, this way about him that was so obvious to me that like this guy is a winner. And this guy's full of love. And this guy's full of energy. And I want that. And I couldn't express myself at 13 and say all those things. But I could say like, here's a blog post. I'm going to write about this guy. And so I started, I had this blog and then I, I wrote about Gary Vaynerchuk on that blog. And that blog lasted all of two months. I had no discipline to stick with something at 13 years old of seeing it through. But my thesis of the internet is the place for the future was correct. Mm, I love that. What was the first, like, do you remember like what the first thing that you read from him was? It was video at the time. So he had this video show, Wine Library TV, and he would record himself drinking a glass or a bottle of wine and reviewing it every, it was once, it was five times a week. And so it was really cool because he wasn't talking about it like a wine snob. Like at the time, people thought of wines and like, as snobby people. And he was just like, this is for the everyday person. And I couldn't care less about, I didn't care about wine at all. Like why I wasn't interested in it at 13, but I was interested in him in his personality. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. The way he does things is interesting. And that is someone I want to be like someday. And didn't he call your mom or something like that? Because <laughs> she wouldn't let you go to his book signing. Yeah. That was a couple of years later. So and yeah, you were, just, you were just trying to go to his book signing and she wouldn't let you. And he was like, put me on the phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he had, I went back and looked something like 850,000 Twitter followers at that time. And he was still responding to every single person because he was about to sell his book, The Thank You Economy. And from 2006 to 2011, he was responding to every single person who tweeted at him. And so I was one of those people. I tweeted at him and said, hey, I'd love to come to your book signing but I can't because I'm 15 years old and I have a Knicks blog, but you know, I can't come. My mom won't let me. And he's like, let me get, let me get your mom's phone number. And he calls her on the spot, leaves her a voicemail. 
and I end up going to the book signing. And it's something that 11 years later, I'm still talking about, which is so crazy. So he left a voicemail. She didn't pick up. Do you still have the voicemail? I wish I did. Did she have the voicemail? Oh, that would no. be that'd be gold. Did, did she tell you like what he said or no? She was like, he, he was cursing too much. I can't tell you. <laughs> no, I think it was just a short message saying that whatever I would learn would be more important than going to school. So did you go? Did your mom of let course. you? Yeah. Did you get we to meet him picture. at all? Or? Yeah. That's yeah. We have awesome. a picture together and I made it my profile picture and said the present and future of American business. Oh, <laughs> Love that. Love that. So how did you go then from, you know, having Gary V call your mom? So, you know, you can go to his book signing to then starting an e-commerce business and getting involved in that. Like you went to school, right? Like, what did you go to school for? Yeah. So I went to school. I went to high school after I had a Knicks blog at 15. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's when he's calling me, call my mom. And you're going to fast forward then probably like six or seven years when I go to high school, don't really care about the Knicks blog anymore, go to college. I'm like, I just want to be a normal kid, a normal college kid. Then I graduate from college and I'm like, I don't want to work for anyone. And what do I know? I know the internet. I know connecting with people. That's, that's what I was doing at 15. That's what I was doing at 13. And so I just started tweeting like, and, and growing and meeting people. And, and that's how it started because I said to myself, I graduated college, but I want to work for myself in some capacity. So what does that mean? Like you were tweeting and connecting people? Because I think most people are listening to this and like, hey, I can tweet. I can connect with people. <laughs> but how did that turn then into a business? Yeah. So how it started was I was doing e-commerce and I was like, okay, like I'm going to learn from people who are three months or a year ahead of me and I would connect with them and I would say, hey, do you have any tips for anything? And then tweet to that person and let that person know that their tips helped me when I applied it and further that cycle and keep going and keep going. And eventually they became my friends. Eventually those people ended up employing me. And so it was really cool because from a period of, of June to, to January, I was like, I'd gone from starting e-commerce for the first time to actually making money and like having friendships and getting a job offer from some people and, and making real money. And it was a lot of fun that that period of time after graduating college. But I mean, eventually it led to like me realizing that that wasn't the path for me, which I'm sure we could get go, get into if, if you'd like. Yeah, you said something that was, uh, it's funny because you're the second person who I've heard say this in like the last like one or two days. My my friend Christo Vasilev, who is the, uh, he's actually the GM for the Tim Ferriss podcast uh, wow. or the Tim Ferriss show. And he, I, I recently heard him say on an interview that uh, he was asked like, you know, like, how are you? Because he was uh, worked for like Ryan Holiday and then Tim Ferriss, like all these people. And they're like, well, how did you like do that? Like, how did you do that? And he said like, you know, I would, tweet and like ask people like hey do you have any advice for me and then i would do it and then i think he got that tip from ramit seti and it was like hey when people give you advice like go do it and then let them know that you did it because like 99 of people just ask for advice and like don't do anything with it it's almost what everyone expects but if you connect with like really like 
busy, important people who are like, are moving things, you know, and they see that you are like actually executing on things. That's like on the advice that's given, you stand out immediately. And so it's funny that, you know, here you are kind of saying the same thing, like, Hey, I'll tweet people to tell me what to do and I'll go do it. And then I'll tweet back at them. Uh, and they started noticing, right. So it's kind of like the same deal with him, but what was the, what was the e-com business? Like, what were you, do you mind sharing what you were selling? I remember from my drop shipping days, it was kind of taboo to say what you were selling, but <laughs> since you're out of it, like what was, what was your thing? Mine was kegerators. I was selling kegerators. Uh, what is, what's a kegerator? I thought you went to college, man. A uh, kegerator is like one of those mini fridges that you put a keg in that then have a tap uh, on the top. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I, I just call that a keg, but I didn't know the the, the, the fridge apparatus <laughs> is a kegerator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Gotcha. No, so I was selling these little keychains that had someone's specific date on it, like for romantic relationships or Valentine's Day or something like that, or anniversaries. I would sell customized keychains with specific dates as like the main product that I was I was selling back in the day. And why move to California to do that? For me, it was, it was like, okay, I could do this business from anywhere. Why not do it in some place that's beautiful and I'm enjoying every day and that in January or February, I'm not freezing my ass off. Why not do it in, in a place that's beautiful was my mentality and mindset. I think a lot of people listening to this will resonate a lot with that <laughs> statement. Were you doing some sort of um, job on the side while you were kind of like kickstarting that um, e-com business or was it yeah. just like enough to, to live off of right off the bat? Yeah. So that was enough to live off after grinding in my parents' house for six months. But then I also, on top of that, I had a, a job, a great paying job that the people that I was connecting with and asking for advice and applying that advice Eventually, they started their own business, helping people start their own e-commerce stores, and they needed people to work for them to tell people set up those stores. So who was the perfect candidate? I was, and they paid me really well. And it was like crazy because I had this great source of income from the stores itself, and I had the source of income from the job. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah, eventually I was like, this isn't for me. I don't want to go down this route. How come? Like, why did you feel like it wasn't for you? Because I felt like it wasn't all I could do as a human being. I felt like I, it was making me complacent for one, but it was also not giving everything I possibly could give to myself and other people. That's why. And so why then start a podcast? Like, why were you like, okay, I'm feeling this. And the answer is, I'm going to start talking to a microphone with strangers over the internet. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like that simple, you know? It was like a period of nine months that I was like, what am I going to do? Like, what is... So at first, I thought it was, I'm gonna, I was going to become a personal trainer. I love working out. I love helping people pursue their highest version in some capacity. So I was like, wow personal trainer would make a lot of sense with that. And then I had this job set up where I was going to work in the city and I was like, COVID happened. And so then I'm back to the drawing board of like, okay, no one's going to go to a gym for a long time. No one's going to hire a personal trainer since 
we're most likely going to enter into a depression and that didn't happen, but that was my thought process. And I need to do something else. So what did I do? I went back to that 13 year old kid and started writing and blogging and putting thoughts out on the internet. And eventually, because I'd been writing, because I'd been learning, because I had spent from March of 2022, June or July of 2020, reading as many books as I possibly could get my hands on. I was like, man, I would love to talk to some of these authors. And I would love to talk to people who are following me on Twitter. So most of the people at the time were following me from the e-commerce days. I would love to talk to these people. Okay. Started talking to them. And then at that time, I was talking to people from Twitter and having great conversations with them saying that, damn, I should definitely record these. Three of my friends separately over that three to six month period said, hey, you should start a podcast. And that was just knowing me who I am. And I was like, huh, like that's interesting that three of those people would say without any corroboration. That, that was odd to me and interesting. And I took note of it and also had these great conversations and also wanted to talk to authors. So I said, this is the perfect thing that I should be doing. And I ended up loving it. Yeah, that was like very similar for me was like, I always wanted like ever since I kind of discovered podcasting, I was like, oh, this is cool. You know what I mean? Like, and I really wanted to like talk to people that I'm interested in and have interesting conversations. And I think this is what people don't really yet realize about podcasting is that even if like, let's say even if the podcast quote unquote fails by regular standards, which means like five people listen and that's like your mom, your aunt and your uncle, right? Uh, even if that doesn't work out, even if you don't have any listeners, the people that you can meet and the um, like the access to the people that you can get to is incredible and so valuable uh, that like what can spin off of that is, you know, who knows, who knows what can come from those relationships. So podcasting to me is, is such an incredible way to, to build an awesome network. Yeah. And that's why I don't care about people's reaction because I'm already winning. I'm winning by having the conversations, by having the interviews. I enjoy that so much. And so when someone says like, oh, you only have X amount of listeners or no one cares, I'm like, well, first of all, I care. And second of all, I'm winning already. I've already won by having the conversations. So yeah, that is, um, that take us full circle with that. I couldn't agree more. You mentioned that you started, um, and it's funny that you mentioned that you wanted to be a personal trainer because I don't know if you noticed the, the background saw, around me, but my dad is a personal trainer. And when COVID hit, we were like, all right, like, let's, let's move this baby online. Like, let's go remote. So he was able to do that. So this is his office. I'm currently my dad's uh, remote personal training office. But you mentioned that you love to write and that was a kind of like what you started. And I noticed that you do have a lot of blog posts on your website. <laughs> like almost every other day you have a blog post and then they stop. Why did you stop and how did you decide that it was time to stop? I got so overwhelmed with the amount of research that I do for the podcast that I, I gave myself a break with that. And I said to myself, okay, I'm devoting all my time to making these interviews as good as possible. I'm devoting so much time to putting these videos and editing these videos to put them on YouTube. Like, it's okay if I don't write blog posts. Um, I, it's something that I, I definitely want to get back to and maybe write in a longer form, maybe write a book of some sort. But I don't think that, I think it's okay to give myself the break with the, with the blog post is how I thought about it. 
Yeah, it's uh, the reason why I asked that is because like for me, I have like I am the ultimate shiny object person. Like I get really like my dad used to say, and now this makes a lot of sense to me, but my dad used to tell me that when I was younger, that I should be an author because I get really obsessed about topics. And then I kind of like learn everything that I want to learn about it. And I move on to the next topic. And he's like, you should be an yeah. author. Cause like you get obsessive, write a book, launch it, go write the next book. And I didn't get it at first, but now it kind of makes sense. But for me, like I've almost had to like the podcast is one of the first things that I've done for longer than like a year. And it's now it's on this thing wow. where it's like, I can't quit because like, like this is it. Like, you know what I mean? I almost can't stop. So for people who, you know, like you said, you almost had to do like a, like, like an equation of like, Hey, there's all of these things going on and I need to let one of them go. How did you decide that what you should let go was the blogging as opposed to like, you know, Twitter or like social media or something else that you were doing? Like, how can people, you know, who are feeling overwhelmed decide what to let go and if it's the right time to let go, or they're just trying to jump to the next shiny object like I would do? Such a great question. And I also struggle with that as well in terms of going from one thing to the next and the podcast also has been one thing that's sticked, it seems like. Um, for me, I would say, look at two things. Look at one, where are you getting energy from? Are you getting energy from doing the thing? And two, where are people paying attention? And I think if you use those two metrics, like if I was still getting energy, a lot of energy from writing the blog post or energy from doing the thing and putting them up, then I would still be doing them. And if a lot of people were checking them out and giving me more energy to keep doing it, I'd still be doing it. Um, I think that that's why I've been doing the podcast, whether people listen or not, is like I've been getting energy from it and people seem to really resonate with it and like it. So both of those keep me and propel me to keep going, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, um, since we've been kind of like dancing around the podcast, let's talk a little bit about your podcast, the Danny Miranda podcast. Um, one of the interesting things that you do, so there's, there's two things that like I found really impressive, just like right off the bat, without even having to jump into your content and listen to everything. There's two things that I found really impressive. One, how many podcast episodes you publish. And then number two, the people that you've been able to get on your podcast. Uh, I mean, some incredible names out there. Like, you know, we've talked about Gary V. Uh, you've had him on and a bunch of other uh, really, really impressive people. Uh, Marina Polinova, I believe you've had, or yeah. And so um, how did you, like, why publish three episodes per week? Like, where did that come from? Because I publish one a week and that's already, I feel like, you know, it takes a bunch of time. So why do three? Because no one's going to be able to catch me and I'm going to get better and level up and, and improve my craft. The more I do it, the better I'll get. And the more I do it, the more I'm in your face and I'm saying to you, okay, look, this is my pace, like keep up. And then I also looked at the best people in the world, right? Like how many episodes does Tim Ferriss have? How many episodes does Joe Rogan have? How many episodes do the greats have? And they've been at it for seven and 11 years respectively, but they've been putting in a lot of reps. And how do you get to that level? There's no shortcut. You just have to put in that amount of reps and continue to get better at your craft. So the reason why I do three a week is one, to stay top of mind and so that you'll always have some content to consume that's new. 
and two, so that I can get better and I can improve. And it won't happen after a year. It won't happen after a couple of weeks. But if I do this for a decade or decades, like there's no other option but to create some sort of great podcast. Mm. Yeah, I see with the like podcast upload stuff, like with the number of episodes that you publish, like obviously like I always tell people if you're going to do less than one a week, do it when you find time to do it once a week, because otherwise like you're just not going to, you know, it's not going to have the effect that you want it to have. Um, but one of the things that I've heard that was recommended to me was that if you publish more than two episodes per week, it's almost like your audience, like they don't have enough time to intake your, your, um, you know, your content, because let's be honest, most people are listening to podcasts when they're either working out or they're, you know, driving to work or something like that. So the thing that I've, I've heard is either one time per week or twice a week. So have you seen that that, have you seen that in your analytics or anything like that, that like you have any sort of like drop off or have you heard of like people saying like, Hey man, like you got so much good stuff, but I almost like can't catch up or has that not been the case at all? Yeah, I've definitely heard that. But how I look at it is like, I'm doing this first for me and I want to put out as, and honestly, like if you put out two episodes a week, right. And and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's great. And people like that and are able to consume those two a week. But what if they don't like one of the guests? Like, and they say, okay, I'm going to just do, I'm going to listen to one of these. Like that's going to happen. People aren't going to like, or want to listen to every single episode. And if they do, the people who love it, they're going to listen to every episode. So the way I think about it is like, listen, don't listen. Like this is first off, like it has to be about you and, and your want to continue it. And I'm putting out so much content and yes, people might not be able to catch up with it, but that's okay. They don't have to listen to every episode. They don't have to listen to everything. And I'm just doing this for myself is how I think about it. How do you balance the, cause I totally feel the kind of doing it for yourself first, right? Like I, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. Like I, like, for example, the people who I bring on this podcast, a lot of times it's like, am I like, I want to be curious about this person naturally, right? Like, this is why, like when people pitch me to come on the podcast, it's always a little bit more difficult for somebody to get on the podcast by pitching just because like, yep. not necessarily that you're not doing anything right. I haven't built up the curiosity yet naturally on that. That's but, such a great point. Uh, but at the same time, there is this thing as like an entrepreneur, right? For me, the user is the most important thing, right? Like I, not only do I want this to be for me, but I also want this to be beneficial for the user and the person who is on the other side of this, right? So if you're, if you, while doing your podcast, like how do you balance that of like, Hey, this is for me, but also making sure to produce something really great for the listeners, not the users. The best way to give something to the user or to the listener is to be yourself. And for myself, to be myself is to put out three a week and to attack and to get after it. And so if I wasn't doing that, it wouldn't be authentic to myself. And if I'm not being authentic to myself, then how can the person listening trust me at all? So mm. that's how I start with. And I think that that mentality you know, is, is what is going, it's going to take for me to be where I want to be. So essentially like by doing you, 
right? You're going to find more people who are like you. And those are the people that are going to be the listeners. Like you're not trying to appease people that aren't like you is what you're saying. Yeah, maybe. Kind of like the Kevin Kelly 1000 true fans thing, right? It's like, you don't need to have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of fans. You need like the 1000 people that are like, man, Danny gets me right. Like that's my shit, right? Like I love Danny, right? Like, is is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I need to be myself because if I'm anything other than myself, then it's not going to work for 10 years. It's not going to work for, it's impossible. So I want to be me and let the world come to me eventually. Mm. So talking about the second part of like what I asked a little bit earlier, which was how do you like, it's so impressive. Some of these people that you've had, I think Kevin Kelly's been on your podcast who I just mentioned. Uh, which is insane. So congratulations on all of the success that you've had. I don't think I've said that yet on the podcast uh, and all the awesome people that you've had on there. But I think it's like, it's not hard for people to see how you get high profile guests when you've already had high profile guests, right? Like people who are high profile want to see that you've talked with people who are also high profile and that kind of brings them in. But how do you get that first person that you can then build that off of? Yeah. So how I think about it is building up and thinking about the people who are connected to the people you want to talk to, but aren't maybe in that top spot position yet. I'll give you a perfect example is like Will Manon is the course director of Rite of Passage, which is David Perel's course. David Perel is a well-known guy to people on Twitter. I think he's got like 200,000 followers, something crazy. And I wanted to talk to him and I was interested in talking to him. But then I see Will Madden's his course director and Will Madden's got this really interesting piece on how he spent 10 days by himself. And I'm like, man, I would love to talk to Will Madden. And guess what? If I talk to Will Madden and talk to him about things that he normally doesn't talk about, he's going to say to David Perel, I just had this great interview, check it out. Or, you know, this guy, Danny Miranda. So That's the thing, right? You see the high profile person and maybe it's Gary Vaynerchuk, but who are the people connected to Gary Vaynerchuk? I knew it was Mike Vacanti, who is his personal trainer, and Jordan Syatt, who's his other personal trainer. And all of a sudden, now if Gary Vaynerchuk's looking at my podcast list and he's like, oh, Mike Vacanti is the sixth guest for this podcast, then there must be something to this because these people I'm familiar with and I'm aligning with. And so I think that that is such a useful tip for anyone who's podcasting or trying to get to the top dog is like, think about the people that they trust that are more accessible. Mm. You mentioned people saying to you or asking people that asking people questions they've never been asked before. And that's one of the ways that like I measure when I've had like a successful podcast, like I try to keep, like, I try to have a guest every single episode say, Hmm, that's a good question. Or like something like that. Like for me, when I hear that, I'm like, I did my job, right? Like whenever I do that, what is your measure of like having a good podcast or like a good podcast episode? Yeah. I love that too so much, but Chris Williamson said something to me that reframed my whole idea of like good questions when a guest says that's a good question, which was like, he said, sometimes that's not the best for the audience. Right. And Mm -hmm. like you were saying before, and I was like, damn, you know, like sometimes the simplest question, the easiest question is what's 
good for the audience. But for me, how I view if a podcast is successful or not is do I feel a connection to the guest? Do I feel some sort of like we just created something together? And so if I can feel that at the end, I know I did my job. And then whatever people say about it or whatever happens after is just icing on the cake. And so I'm really looking for that connection. Yeah, I totally agree. Like the best episodes I like that I produce are the ones when I walk in, I'm like, man, like me and this person, like really like, you know, that was great. Like it just felt so natural. We had a good conversation. Uh, and I think like listeners also like can feel that and can like really, you know, it, like it like pumps them up. But I will say to kind of like push back on when you were saying earlier, like one of the things that while yes, I agree that like sometimes easier questions or maybe not like questions are like extremely deep or difficult can be more valuable. But I will say that sometimes the easy questions are also the questions that people get asked the most. And because they get asked those questions the most, they tend to get into the groove that they've always said. And I don't yep. think like, I want to get something new out of that person. Right. Like, yeah, I, like there's some people that I've had on the podcast before where I've asked a question and I see them trying to kickstart that groove of like, I've heard you say yeah. this on 10th different podcasts like let's get you out of that do you feel that and if so how do you get a guest out of that repetitive loop of like they're just doing another podcast yeah so you're right i shouldn't have said easy questions i i meant like simple things mm -hmm. like saying something simple and asking about something simple like expanding on a definition they said or forcing them to go deeper but for me, how I get a guest out of that is by listening to other podcasts. And when they say the spiel that they normally say, and I've heard 10 times, asking them a specific question about that spiel that they haven't heard before and hearing where that guest went into a different direction and staying on that topic and prying deeper at that. And it takes a level of confidence and comfortability with the person and yourself to, to pry deeper about something that maybe that person hadn't considered before or they didn't know they, you were going to go there. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of like, you know, when you do like coaching, like they tell you like ask three whys and then you kind of yeah. get to the real meat of the stuff. And it's like, you're almost doing that at podcasting. I like that. Um, what is the most impactful conversation like here while we're talking about like what makes a good episode good and like you know sometimes the simple things can be the most impactful what is like a conversation that you think back on the podcast uh from all of your 100 plus interviews that just kind of springs to mind of like wow that was good i would say probably the episode i had with greg McCune. greg McCune is someone who i've read and listened to and thought thought about his ideas and to actually form a real connection with him where by the time it was over, he said, he gave me this great compliment of like, you really listened and that's rare. And, you know, that is what I aim for every time and that real connection with the person. And so for to have him to read his ideas, to look at his work and then be able to really connect with him on a deep level and have a really meaningful conversation. That was, that was one of my favorites for sure. Love that. Um, speaking again about like getting high profile guests, let's, uh, let's dive in a little bit deeper here. Cause I love to not just, you know, I want people who are listening to this to get out and like have actionable, you know, advice and actionable things to do. If somebody's listening, 
or helping run this podcast like I am at the moment and they want to get high profile people on. What is like, do you have a process that you do? Like, where do you reach out to them? Like, do you normally send them a pitch right away? Or is it just like a, do you start out with just kind of like, Hey, how's it going? And then you move into it. Like, what does that process look like normally? Yeah. So normally it's a short email where I'm being respectful of their time and also understanding that like, this is a busy person most likely and won't have the whole day to read a long pitch. So it's normally just a few lines, just saying my credentials and who I've had on the podcast before and no worries or hard feelings if they're not interested in coming on. But uh, something that I do that's really, um, I haven't seen a lot of people talk about is I normally put an attachment of a photo or some sort of some some sort of attachment because we're just more likely to open emails that have attachments on them. And the other thing I do is put the person's name in the subject line of the email. And I find that really helps create a level of like trust between me and that person quickly so that they will respond. I love the uh, attachment because uh, as I mentioned earlier, like I'm not like, I don't nest, like, I don't have a lot of people on that have been like pitched to me. And I'm sure you get this as well, where there's like agencies out there that like represent people and they try to get them on podcasts. And I'm, I'm always a little bit hesitant to that. There have been a few guests who've come on maybe because like either it was somebody that I already knew about, or it was because like they offered something that was like very unique, but I will say on the attachment bit, I once somebody reached out to me that was from that, from an agency that represented people. And I didn't end up bringing the person who they were pitching on. However, I did tell the people uh, this was the best pitch email ever because in the attachments, the uh, person who was emailing me actually had a little whiteboard and on the whiteboard, they had written, Hey, Mitco. And I was immediately like, what? And I opened it up and it was just like a, like a quick, like 30, 40 second, like thing saying like, Hey, Mitco, like love the podcast. Like we have this person that we represent that we'd love to have on there. And I was like, I'm not going to have your person on um, just because they're not a good fit, but like, I love this pitch. So uh, I don't know if like, I, I totally agree with the attachment thing. And the other thing I'll say is video messages are really impactful with people who listen to the show or just guests that I'm trying to get on. If you send someone a video message in 2021, it feels more personal for some reason than text. And if it's, and if you really speak to that person, like, I've contacted Steve Weatherford and had conversations with him only because I'm putting the camera to my face and saying, I want to have you on the podcast. And so, um, yeah, that's another thing that I do that I think can be useful to anyone trying to get in contact with anyone. So I think that I first became aware of you and I started following you on Twitter, I think around like when you had Gary V on, because I think he retweeted you and whatnot. And you kind of like, I'm assuming that was like one of your big blowups, right? Like that was kind of like when you got a lot of attention. Definitely. How do you deal with that attention? Like what was the time afterwards like? Because I think that that's what everyone kind of strives for is to like, hey, somebody famous is going to retweet something that I do. Somebody's going to share my uh, podcast episode, my video, and it's going to blow up, right? And I don't think enough is talked about like, well, what do you do after it blows up? So like, what was that experience like after that happened? And how did you make sure that you made the most of it? Yeah. So I think that viral moments are chased after too much without realizing that like, it's really about the content library you have and 
the work you've put in before. Like I didn't have any videos on YouTube. I didn't have any way of of being able to keep transfer the keep people there because there was nothing there on YouTube specifically. And it's like that was a, a wasted opportunity in a sense. Um, but you know, I think that people don't talk about the dopamine that you get from that short period of of attention to then afterwards, the week after, and how it it messes with your head and messes with your sleep. Like I went to bed that night, 5 a.m. because I couldn't sleep. Like Gary Vaynerchuk just said he's coming on the podcast. This is so exciting for me. I just started this podcast three months ago. So yeah, I would say that like prioritize your sleep, prioritize um, having content there, building a content library and chasing the the viral moment is great, but it's not going to actually get people in the ecosystem forever if you don't have built out that library to begin with. That's that's so true because like I think people do think that like like somebody went viral, like that's it, like I went right, but it's like yeah. no, like you can go viral all you want, but unless you show people that there's a reason for them to stick around, it almost doesn't matter, right? Like you can go viral all day and like. Nobody's going to stay and kind of like take in more of what you have. And people, that's why people have like, what was that? I recently saw the MKBHD, if I'm assuming you know who that is on YouTube, had something like a hundred videos before he broke a hundred subscribers or something insane like that. And that's have just, you, you seen, know, sorry to I, cut you off. Have you seen his a hundredth video? No, that is 100th. He's like, 14 or 15 years old, just talking to the camera. And I got in contact with him and I said, Hey, this is my favorite video on YouTube with an attachment to his video um, of just talking to the camera at 15. Like, Hey guys, hundred videos here. It's so cute. And now he's got like a thousand plus videos, but yeah, it's such a great point. And I think people like, I, I also love that. I think I saw like a compilation is that how how you say that of like hey like look at his video from when he was like 13 14 15 whatever and i think people are afraid to do that and i'm curious what you think about this because like i've had i'm trying to figure out how to say this question i've had people who are or like they delete things that they did earlier on and they're almost like no like I don't want like somebody to see this and for me to get embarrassed. And like, I have a video out there that I posted January 1st of, or January 3rd or something of 2017 of the day that I quit my job and became a digital nomad officially. Wow. And it's a rough video. It's in my car. It's off of my phone. It's weird. Like, I don't know. It's not good. Right. But I leave it up there because I like, I've always, I always believe. And that goes back to also like what you see of me on social media is like, I want people to see the growth and I'm not embarrassed of who I was because eventually it led to where I am. So like, yeah, there's pictures of me on Instagram where I'm doing a keg stand. Cause like I was in college and that's what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like that's not me anymore, but I'm, I don't believe in this like deleting things from the past. Do you feel that same, that, that way as well? And have you come across people who kind of have that same, mentality of like, I don't want to do things online and in public because I'm afraid of like how it might age. Yeah. Such a great point. And I feel personally that I want to put out my worst work. I want to 
show people my flaws so that they'll be able to look in 10 years and say, wow, look how much you've grown. And look, it's possible for me to do the same. But I also totally understand people being afraid to put themselves out there online because who knows what is going to happen. Like cancel culture is real. And who knows, you blow up one day and you get a picture of that keg stand and all of a sudden now your life is ruined and you have to deal with that, those consequences of someone taking you down for something you posted and forgot you posted a long time ago. And I know that and I'm sympathetic or empathetic to that. And I, I respect anyone who doesn't want to put themselves out there. Like this is just my decision. And because I want to be all I can be, right? Like that's where it stems from. And I couldn't live with myself if I didn't pursue this or try to do this in some, some capacity. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. And it's something that I think about and I'm aware of, and I'm just trying to, to work through like anybody else. Yeah. And I think it comes down to also like, this is not something that I thought of before, but I actually just became, do you know who Dave Portnoy is from Barstool? Yep. So I just became aware of like what they were doing. Obviously I've heard of Barstool for like a long time, but it was always kind of like not my thing. Um, and then I just became aware of like Dave Portnoy and him as like a person like this year. And one of the things that I was almost like, I think he's figured out the internet is that he's like untouchable because he's so transparent and everything is out there to the point where it's like, I I'm, I'm not hiding. Right. Like if you're going to come in, like, like I have basically talked about all this stuff. I think Joe Rogan has done a very similar thing where, you know, he's got these like so many of these three hour conversations where if you are somebody who wants to just go into the shallow, you know, wade into the shallow of their conversations and pick out stupid things like, yeah, you're going to find like terrible things that, you know, I'm sure somebody can listen to this conversation and blow something up. But you, there's so much content. There's so much out there. They're so transparent that anybody who has like a little bit more time to look in is going to be like, OK, well, this is clearly not what this looks like. You know, they're uncancelable because they are authentically themselves. And that is a great separator in 2021. And I believe 2031 as well. Yeah, for sure. So I know that we're kind of running out of time here, but I do want to ask you about a very kind of like important subject here, because I'm a podcaster, you're a podcaster, we're talking so about this like creator economy. And one of the things that is really hard as a creator is like, how do you make money? And like, how do you live off of it? So like, you know, I've had this podcast for two years and I have not really made a cent off of this except for like, you know, meeting cool brands from time to time, like Tortuga from time to time sends me some backpacks. Thank you, Tortuga. They're the best backpacks. <laughs> but like, I haven't like really made any money off of this. So like, how do you as a podcaster and as a creator, how do you sustain yourself? How do you make money off of the podcast and, and what you do? Yeah. So I don't make any money either off the podcast. I made 200 bucks off a sponsorship from my friend, Harry Dry, who basically gave me money and said, like, you need to be making money for this, which I really appreciate. Um, and so one of the things that I've been thinking about doing is helping other well-known podcasters with their content and creating some sort of agency as a way to not only help myself, but help those people who are who need some better content, short form content, and help them do that in a in a way that actually pays me. So that's something that I've been thinking about. I don't know if that is going to actually materialize, but 
it's been on my mind for the past week and I can't stop thinking about it. So that's a good sign that it'll probably end up happening. Um, that's, that's how I've been thinking about it. It's like helping other people um, in some capacity that also helps further your own craft. So then in that case, I'm assuming that you do something else, like you have a job or, or something like that to kind of pay the bills, put food on the table, whatnot. How do you balance the two? Because I think that's really hard for people is to like balance like, hey, I have a, a job or a side hustle or whatever it is. But then there's this other thing that I wish I was spending all of my time on. How do you balance those two things? Hopefully they help each other in some capacity. One of the things that I do is I work at weddings and I work the photo booths at weddings. I don't know if you've seen those, but what I do is I communicate with people, talk to people, make people feel good and, and happy and make them excited for the event. And I look at it like I'm doing the same thing for podcasts, right? Like it's an event. I'm making people feel good. I'm communicating and getting better at that. So my photo booth job helps my podcast and my podcast helps mm. my photo booth job. It's all communication. And so that's how I think about it. Yeah, for sure. I think there's so much that like, I mean, I listened to like the first episodes of this podcast and I thought I was like a decent communicator and talker back then. <laughs> and then I listened to a hundred plus episodes later. I'm like, wow, like I can really hear a difference. And I do think that like, even if you uh, are somebody who's listening and like, you don't want to be like a famous podcaster or whatever, like doing this, you know, once or twice a week is like an incredible way to train your communication skills. Uh, and like, for example, I, you know, I used to do a lot more of like, um, so, you know, and these sort of things. And then like, now I notice that I don't do that anymore. Uh, in wrapping up, I've been asking this question recently to people and it's quickly become one of my favorite questions. So I just want to ask it to you. We, you know, people a lot talk about what their dream day looks like. And, you know, it usually involves like being on a sailboat or sitting by the beach or whatever, but it's this like crazy day, right? It's like one in a million kind of day. And so I'm curious, like, what is your ideal average day look like? My ideal or my average? Your ideal average day. So like, what would every day uh, that's the average, what would the best version of that day look like? Okay. So wake up, go to the podcast studio, talk to a guest in person, have a gym in the podcast studio, start working out before the guest comes. The guest comes, I've worked out, showered, and can then talk to them. Well, I probably should say that I meditate before all this, but you know that's already there. Um, speak to someone who's really interesting, who's fascinating me, work out again or do yoga, go home. That's, that's pretty much my ideal day, ideal average day. I love that. Yeah, I had this uh, thing. What about you? My ideal average day, I, so I had one and it was interesting. Like I had this idea of like waking up in like Thailand or Bali or something like that. And then like getting to like go and sit down and talk to somebody really interesting, kind of like yourself and then go and work at a co-working space and maybe go out to a coffee shop and like enjoy hanging out with friends. And I remember I was in, I don't remember where I was. I think it might've been Thailand or Bali or something. And like, I realized I was literally going through that and I was like, wow. whoa, this is weird. Do you know what I mean? Like wow. I was literally doing that. But right now I would say like for me, I'm really finding a lot of benefit in breaking up my work and my play. So one of the things I'm trying to do is like wake up, 
um, get outside first thing in the morning, you know, like get a little bit active, like play. Uh, Aubrey Marcus has this thing where he says like, you know, play before you work. Like you don't have to exercise, but like, just like toss the Frisbee, you know, shoot some hoops, whatever. Uh, and then like work for like three hours and then go do something really fun for three hours and then come back and do like a three hour afternoon session of work and then be done. Cause I think if you are productive enough and you know, you know what you're doing and you're focused six hours a day of work is like plenty to get a lot of things done. And I love to have a little bit of like something really fun in the middle of it. So that would be like my ideal average day. So what's the ideal fun thing to do in the middle? Like surf or go sailing or one of the things people who listen to this podcast know what I try to do is I really try to there's something that I want to learn, some sort of activity, some sort of thing that I want to become better at. And it's usually something physical. And I try to base where I go around that. Right. So I was just in Mexico for three months. And one of my things was like, I want to learn to surf. So like we went and we stayed in Puerto Vallarta on the beach and I would go up to Sayulita, which is a really great little, you know, surf town. And I would surf. So I'd love to do more of that where it's like, all right, I'm going to Bulgaria this summer and my goal is to learn how to sail. So like I'm going to do my three hour work sesh and then go sail for three hours and then do another three hour work session and leave. So I think it would change from time to time. That's super cool. I like that though. Well, man, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. I can't believe how quickly uh, an hour went by, but you know, tell people listening, where can they find out more about you? Where can they listen to the podcast? What do you have going on? And maybe can you give us a little sneak peek at who are some of the uh, guests that are coming up on the podcast that people should uh, go subscribe and wait for? Yeah, absolutely. So you can listen to the podcast anywhere. Uh, You get podcasts, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, CastBox, Google, wherever it is you listen. Um, you can follow me at Hey Danny Miranda on Twitter and communicate with me there. Send me a message. Let me know you made it this far in the episode. So I would love to learn about what you learned about in this episode and upcoming guests. We got Colin and Samir. I'm really stoked for that episode. Colin and Samir are two great creators that covered the creator economy and just, um, just really excited for continuing on the mission of just putting out episodes and, and loving the process and hope hopefully people are enjoying them as well. Awesome, man. Well, if you're listening, don't feel like you need to remember all those links. We'll have them in the show notes. Uh, so head on over there and uh, go subscribe to Danny's podcast. Uh, I'm seriously, some of the conversations, some of the people that you've had on Danny are, are awesome people. They're dream guests of mine. So uh, anybody listening should definitely go subscribe. But Danny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I hope you had fun. And uh, next time I'll, I'll, you know, well, I'll, we'll I'll tune in with everyone else and uh, hope to see you around. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun.